Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Happy New Year. Good morning. Welcome to Uncommon Church. How many of you made it all the way to midnight last night? And you, wow, and you came to church this morning? You get extra credit in heaven. How many of you were in bed by 1030? Okay, you're smart. It's very smart, smart people. So how many of you have already taken down Christmas? Christmas is over. Bah, humbug at your house. Wow. You hate Christmas and America and everything. Wow. Wow. I'm shocked, honestly. My wife is from Sweden, and in Sweden, they have like a thing where it's 20 days, babe. 20 days after Christmas is a holiday, another holiday, and that is the takedown Christmas day. And people will have parties, and you'll go over to people's homes, and they'll give you some gifts, some uh, ornaments off of their tree as a memento, and it's like a thing, 20 days after Christmas. When you Puerto Ricans here, you guys like never take it down. It just stays up. <laughs> Puerto Ricans, like, they all into Christmas. It's, it just never comes down. They love Christmas. So... Uh, Speaking of uh, last week, um, I, I saw my doctor. Now he was actually treating Josie, but I just got to see him and hey, what's up? I don't know if you love your doctor. For years, I hated our doctor, but we, we switched doctors about two years ago and I love my new doctor. And um, he's just a, just a, a I don't know, through and through Texas guy. He's a vet. He served on the, as a medic on the front lines in, in uh, Iraqistan. You know, like he's just one of those kind of like salt of the earth kind of guys. And I love him because he was looking at my chart a couple of months ago and he's like, you're kind of fat, but it's fine. Like you're overweight. You're probably 20, 30 pounds overweight for a guy who's 5'8 and 48 years old. But if you want to stay overweight, you totally can. It's no big deal. I'm like, I love my doctor. Because <laughs> my old doctor was always telling me I had to lose weight. I love this guy. He's just like, dude, if you want to stay fat, it's fine. We'll just keep giving you medicine because uh, your, your blood is basically mayonnaise. So, which I love mayonnaise, obviously. So he's like, so if you want to stay fat, it's no big deal, dude. We'll just keep treating your blood with medicines. Um, he's like, every pound you add more than you should, it puts like four pounds of extra weight on your, your, your spine and on your knees and on your ankles. So if you want to keep that extra 20 pounds, no problem. I don't care. Um, we'll just give you muscle relaxers and painkillers and we'll just keep pumping your bodies full of drugs so you can stay overweight. It's your choice. You do you, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, I feel like it's a little passive aggressive, like, like you're saying I can stay overweight, but you're really saying I shouldn't. So um, those of you that have known me for years, every three or four years, I lose about 20 or 30 pounds. And then the following year, I find it again. So two years ago, I lost 30 pounds. And uh, last year, I found 25 pounds. So I am making a choice that in 2023, I'm going to lose my, my annual or biannual 20 pounds. Um, and then I might find it again next year. <laughs> Uh, but I'll, I'm going to do the things that I do to lose weight. It's my choice. And here's the funny thing about losing weight and getting healthy. Nobody can do it for you. My health is my choice. What goes into my body, totally my choice. If I choose to eat cookies and bacon cheeseburgers, my choice. If I choose to eat carrots and celery, my choice. Nobody is in charge of what I eat but me. The same is true with our walk with God. Nobody can make you love Jesus and seek him. 
Nobody can make you read your Bible. Nobody can make you pray. Nobody can make you live holy. The choice is entirely yours. So the results that you see in your physical body directly connect to what you put in your face. The results that you see in your walk with God directly correlate to how disciplined you choose to be, how serious you are about your walk with God. So um, a little bit of homework, if you're like, okay, I want to read the Bible a little, I don't know where to start, read the book of Matthew, and I'm going to read to you chunks of Matthew 4, Matthew 5, Matthew 6 today. So it'd just be good for you to kind of get some of that into your heart. Um, At the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He comes out of a 40-day fast, and he goes up to around the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, if you'd like to see the Sea of Galilee in person, Josie and I will be leading a tour of Israel in November of this year. Um, So start saving your money, and let's go to Israel. Um, Tentative dates are like the middle, like I forget. Six through 17, don't book a ticket, but you can pencil that out as a definite maybe. 6 through 17. So Jesus goes up to the Sea of Galilee and he sees some fishermen. Now, fishermen, generally speaking, blue collar, like they loved God, they were good Jews, but they cussed a little, you know what I'm saying? Like Texas kind of Christians. And um, I've got a big amen over here, all right. And um, we're going to work against that here. So, um, and he calls out to two brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew, and then two other brothers, James and John. These were all four guys who grew up together fishing. He says, hey, follow me. And the Bible says, immediately they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. That's a, like they didn't add a little religion to their life. They didn't find a church near their house where they liked the preacher or they had a good kids program. Like they left everything and followed Jesus immediately. They weren't like, yeah, I I could do a little better in 23. No, they were like, I'm leaving everything to follow Jesus. It was a lifelong commitment. And for those of you that know the story, they served Jesus. They all went into ministry and they all died for Jesus one day at the end of their lives. They made this radical choice to follow Jesus. They died to their old life of fishing and they went to serve Jesus. So he gathers his disciples, Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter five, Jesus preaches the sermon on the mount. And I don't have time to go into the whole thing, but I'm just gonna give you the bullet points of the sermon of the mount. It opens with the Beatitudes, where in the Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, listen, there is a blessing for those of you that are pure of heart. There is a blessing for those of you that hunger and thirst for God. There is a blessing for those of you that are peacemakers, a blessing for those that are merciful. There is a blessing for when you mourn and go through a difficult season. There is the presence and peace of God in those difficult seasons. And then Jesus goes on in his sermon to say that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's taking the light of heaven and he's putting it on the inside of Jesus' followers, and that we are the light of the world, and that we should shine bright in the darkness and not not cover, not try to hide the, the, the brightness of God that is in our life. We should bring the light of the kingdom of God into every room we walk into. And then he also said, because um, he was speaking to Jews, he said, listen, I know that the, the law is a very serious thing for Jewish people, and I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to f- fulfill the law. 
And that's a whole other amazing sermon right there. Um, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus goes after anger. I guess that 2,000 years ago, there was a lot of road rage and anger with donkeys and camels and stuff. I know you guys wouldn't deal with anger, but Jesus goes after anger and he says, listen, if you're angry with somebody, if you ever like cuss at somebody, it's the same thing as committing murder because in your heart, you're committing murder when you're angry with somebody. He's like taking the law of Moses to a whole other level. He said, even if you look at somebody with lust, you look at pornography, which I guess in the ancient world was written on stones or tablets or something on a wall, but if you look at somebody and you lust over them, it's the same thing as committing adultery. You've already lusted on the inside by, you've already committed adultery on the inside by lusting on the outside. He speaks about divorce. He said, no, no. Unless somebody commits adultery, you cannot get divorced because people, I guess, were just getting divorced left and right. And he said, listen, I don't know if we, we, this is a whole other sermon series, but sex is a covenant that brings two people together. That's why God created sex only to be in the covenant of marriage. And we should not sleep with somebody we're not married to. And if we do, let's say you're married and you sleep with somebody else, you have broken the covenant of marriage. And that's why Jesus said the only reason to get divorced is if the covenant has been broken. But other than that, divorce is a no-no. Jesus says, listen, I know that you like to swear, and I'm not just talking about cuss word swearing. I guess it was a popular thing in the day to be like, I swear by Jerusalem that I will be there on Tuesday at nine. Jesus is saying, dude, stop swearing by things that you have no control or authority over. You shouldn't swear to anything. And then he's like, listen, if somebody's wronged you, there's no retaliation against your enemies. Now, that's nice if like somebody lied about me at school or somebody said a mean thing at work. But what if somebody like stole from you? What if somebody abused you physically or sexually or emotionally? Like what if, what if somebody has really hurt you? And he's saying, yeah, you're, you're not allowed to retaliate against your enemies. And all of this is in chapter five, Matthew chapter five. And then he wraps up something just bananas at the end of Matthew chapter five. He's like, hey, you know the whole thing about no retaliation? We're gonna take it a step further. Think about the people that you hate. Think about the people that are against you and you're against them. And in that day for the Jewish people, it would have been the Romans because the Roman people, their army was there controlling the, the Jewish people. He's like, I want you to love your enemies. Now, that must have been really hard to hear that we're supposed to love our enemies. And then at the end of chapter five, beginning of Matthew chapter six, he continues his sermon. He said, listen, if you're gonna be my people, I want you to be financially generous. I don't want you to hoard your money. I want you to give to the poor. I want you to have a generous heart. And then it goes on in Matthew six to teach disciples, to teach us how to pray. And he said, the funny thing is we call it the Lord's Prayer. But it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer because he's teaching us how to pray. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says that we should ask God to forgive us of our sin. Jesus never sinned, ergo, it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's our prayer, it's the Jesus followers' prayer. And he says, I want you to have this heart that God is not some taskmaster in a distant stratosphere, he is a loving Father. And that every day we would lift our hearts and say, Father in heaven, let your name be holy. Let your name be holy in my heart, in my mind, in my car, in my dinner table, at work. I want your name to be holy in my checking account. I want your name to be holy in my home. Lord, I want to trust you for my daily bread. 
that you would put food in my belly and a roof over my head, that you would feed me uh, my spiritual word when I open the Bible, that, that God, you give me my daily bread. And Lord, as much as I love you, sometimes I say things I shouldn't say, I do things I shouldn't do, I think things I shouldn't think, so God, forgive me of my sin. And also, Lord, if somebody sins against me, help me to forgive other people that have hurt me, to forgive those that have sinned against me. Lord, you know where I'm weak, you know I get tempted sometime, so would you keep me from temptation? and then deliver me from evil. Quench every fiery dart of the enemy that would come against me. I, I live under the shadow of the protection of the Lord Jesus. And then he continues after the Lord's um, prayer and he goes right into fasting. And we're gonna talk about fasting today a little bit. I'm just gonna read you a little bit about fasting. This is from the sermon, Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, notice he didn't say if you fast. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites because they like to disfigure their faces that they're fasting because they want everybody else to know. They want to be seen by other people as fasting. Truly, I say to you, they've already received their reward. So there is a reward for fasting, but only if you do it in secret between you and God. He said, when you fast, not if you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Don't put it on social media. And then your fasting might not be seen by other people, but your father who sees it in secret. He, he, he's gonna see it and then watch this. He's gonna reward you for fasting. There is a reward for fasting. And it's okay, your father in heaven loves you. And when you do the things that God asks you to do, he wants to bless you. He's a loving father, he wants to bless his kids. So there is a reward for doing the things that he's called us to do. And some people are like, I've never really fasted before. Jesus said, when you fast, not, not if you fast. So as a follower of Jesus, fasting is not optional. Fasting is mandatory. And, um, and then Jesus, he's dealing with our money. We're gonna come back to fasting in a minute. Jesus goes on to deal with money and he deals with wealth and he deals that our faith should not be in our kingdom in, in natural, in USD, our, our faith in finances is in the kingdom of God. And that we are not gonna trust in the wealth of this world, we're gonna trust in the wealth of heaven. Which then leads to this next section in Matthew chapter six. And he's like, dude, you gotta stop worrying about money. You gotta stop worrying about food, you gotta stop worrying about your mortgage and your rent. You gotta stop worrying about natural things and put your focus on heavenly things. I'll read it for you, Matthew chapter six and verse 25. Jesus said, I'm telling you guys, stop being anxious about your life. I just have such anxiety in my life. Jesus is like, yeah, stop. He didn't be like, well, let's talk about it. He said, no, 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 stop. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear and put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. These guys don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather up in a barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? And which of you, by, adding, by being anxious, is adding a single hour to the span of your life? And why are you being anxious about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, and I have to imagine, in my imagination, Jesus was pointing to a beautiful field of wildflowers. And he says, look at the lilies of the field, look how they grow. They don't toil, they don't work for it, they're not spinning, they're not trying. But I tell you that even Solomon, King Solomon, an ancient king of Israel, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these beautiful flowers. 
But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow can be thrown into the oven, thrown into the fire, how much more will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious and saying, I don't know what we're going to eat. I don't know what we're going to drink. I don't know what we're going to wear. Because remember, he's talking to Jewish people that believed in God. He said, even the Gentiles seek after all of these things even the things of the world. But as your heavenly father, he already knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and, don't forget the and, his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added back to you. He's talking about money. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about food. He's talking about all the natural things of this world that we worry about. And he's like, stop worrying about things, stop focusing on those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and then I'll add all these things to your life. I'll put a roof over your head. I'll put food in your belly. I'll put clothes on your back. Just focus on God. Seek God's kingdom. Seek God's righteousness because your loving Father is going to take care of all these things. Focus on what's really important and not all this stuff on earth that's not really all that important. The kingdom of God lasts forever. The the kingdom of Nike lasts for like a year or two until you wear them out. And that train of thought went two different ways. Some people were like, I wear my shoes for three or four years, okay? And some of you were like, I wear my shoes for three or four months. We often put an emphasis on the things that don't really matter because they're just things of this world that are gonna burn up one day and we barely put any attention on the only thing in life that really matters and that is God and his kingdom. That word seek, seek first, I looked it up in the Greek, it means to hunt or like a dog that's tracking a scent or to be in relentless pursuit. So seek first the kingdom of God, track down the kingdom of God, hunt down the kingdom of God, be in relentless pursuit of the kingdom of God. And while we are relentlessly pursuing God, he will make sure we have enough money, he'll make sure we have enough clothing, food, whatever. He'll take care of the natural things if we take care of the supernatural things. So ask yourself now, what do you seek first in the morning? You wake up, what do you seek first? Most people reach for their phone. The first thing they seek in the morning is their phone. Did I get any texts? Was anything happen on social media? What's the headline news? What's the weather gonna be? For me, it's not my phone. I don't, I, I love my wife, but I don't seek her first. I love Jesus, but I don't seek him first. I love my Bible, but I don't seek it first. I love the weather, but I don't seek it first. The first thing I seek every morning is coffee. Now it's not burning, scolding hot coffee like Casey, normal temperature coffee, but I do nothing. I roll out of bed and I go straight to the coffee maker. This is not a joke. This is an addiction. This is a problem. I probably need to talk to somebody about this. I'm kind of working it out in group therapy right now. I seek coffee first every day. So what I want to do, and I started this morning, my alarm went off, I rolled, and the first, my brain, I have like Pavlov's dog. My alarm went off, so I was going to the coffee maker. I stopped, and I sat in my bed, and I said, Lord, before I seek coffee, I'm going to seek you. And I quieted my heart on this first day of this new year to seek God first. And I spent a few minutes in prayer, and then I ran to the coffee machine because I was a few minutes late. So for the next 21 days, we're going to seek God's kingdom first. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus first. We're going to discipline ourselves and 
you are the only one that can do it for you. Like a diet, you have to make a choice. I'm going to seek God and his kingdom first. And when we do this, here's the funny thing. Last night, our family prayed and spent some time honoring God for the new year. Just the, just the family. Think about it. There's almost 8 billion people on the planet. How many people actually took five, actually it was more like 15, 20 minutes to pray in a new year? A couple of million max, like if we're lucky. I think it really honors God when people make a conscious decision to seek him in his kingdom. That, because it is, when we seek God's kingdom, it is in rebellion to the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world seek ourselves, we seek our own benefit, we seek our own health, we seek our own finances, we seek, I'm gonna get me, I'm gonna get mine. But when we seek God's kingdom, it's like, it's a countercultural thing to do. It is easy to go with the flow. It is easy to be like everybody else in American culture. We seek social media, we seek Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and we seek binging on Netflix, and we, we seek entertaining ourselves for hours. We seek clothing, we seek shoes, we seek a good fit, but we don't really seek the kingdom of God. All the fish are swimming one way. For 21 days, Uncommon Church is gonna swim in the other direction and be like, I'm gonna seek God. As for me and my house, I, this is my personal choice. I'm gonna seek God. I'm gonna seek his presence. I'm gonna seek his face. I'm not gonna worry about everything else in this world. For 21 days, I'm gonna seek God. And can I be honest, it's actually hard to do. It's difficult. It is not, it sounds great. It sounds inspiring. January 1st, the pastor got up there and he, hey, we're going to seek God. Said, yeah, I can do that. It's actually really hard. It's fun for one day. It gets really hard by like day nine or 10. But that's where the discipline comes in, that I'm going to pursue righteousness when other people in this world are inventing new ways to sin. I'm going to pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I'm going to trust that if I keep my eyes fixed on my loving father, he is going to take care of the rest. Now, one of the things, and we'll talk about it here in a minute with fasting, is um, most people give up sugar. It's part of the Daniel fast. There's no wheat, no meat, no sweet. So people will give up sugar. So yesterday, we kind of gorged ourselves a little bit on chocolate. How many of you love chocolate? Like, you're just, you're chocolate lovers like me. You know what I need? Becca, you're a chocolate lover? Come here. Dan, come here. I need her dad. So I needed a father chocolate lover example. So Dan, if you could kind of just stand here and look this way. And Beck, you love your dad, you're a good daughter. So you're just gonna seek your father. You're not gonna worry about anything else. You're not gonna look to the left or the right. You're just gonna seek your dad. But I happen to have some lint truffles because I am so proud of a teenager that's gonna focus on dad. I'm just gonna give you a lint truffle here. And she keeps her eyes fixed on her dad because. Then I'm gonna, and I'm gonna give her another lint truffle here. And then I'm gonna give her another lint truffle here. I'm just so proud of her for keeping her eyes fixed on her dad. Hey, 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 I, just, you focus on the father and I'll take care of the rest. I know that Becca loves chocolate, so I wanna bless her. I want her to keep her eyes fixed on her father and not fixed on these blessings that I'm giving her. Now here's the, this child keeps looking at the chocolate more than her father. And isn't that what we do? God blesses us and we take our eyes off of the Father and we start looking at the blessings that he's giving us. And then we start a podcast about how to receive 
blessings from God. And we write a book about how we receive blessings from God. And pretty soon, we're over here building a pedestal to our own fame about how we are so blessed and God has done all these things. We write books and we host conferences so that we can get more of God's blessing. Because we think it had something, we think that we are all about, it's, it's about us. But remember, it started with keeping our eyes fixed on the Father. The more we keep our eyes fixed on the Father, the more we honor God, the more he'll bless us. But when he blesses you, don't take your attention and put it on the chocolate. Keep your eyes fixed on the Father. Thanks, guys. Now, how many of you were like, I like lint truffles too. I wouldn't mind a lint truffle. That's why the ushers are in the aisles right now and everybody gets a lint truffle. You're welcome. Happy New Year. Daniel Fast starts tomorrow. I hope you enjoy it. So just pass those around. If you eat that, don't you dribble some chocolate dribbles on these new chairs. And don't you leave that wrapper in the seat back. You put that in your pocket and take that to the trash later. I'll just put this in the seat pocket so that my servants will come take my wrapper for me. No, no. Take your own wrapper, throw it in the trash. I'm going to say something profound, but most of you are going to miss it because you're so excited about chocolate right now. So I'm just going to wait and stall. You should have seen how many lint truffles I ate yesterday. I ate this many. Yeah, yesterday I was skinny and then I ate lint truffles and now 20 pounds of lint truffles. All right. Can I say something about the blessings of God and you focus on what I'm about to say and not about the chocolate in your hand? It is idolatry to focus more on the blessings of God than on the face of God. I'm going to say it over here because y'all were getting chocolate. It is idolatry to focus more on the blessings of God than on the face of God. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to focus on me and I will take care of the rest. I'll take care of the blessing. Keep your eyes fixed on me. It is human nature that when we get a little blessing, we're like, look how blessed I am. And then we're no longer looking at the Father. We're looking at the blessing that he's given us. We're like, well, I'm just so blessed. I guess I should maybe, mm, I should go to church for an hour a week when it's convenient. And if not, I'll just watch online, but I'll skip the worship part. I'll get drunk, so I'm a little hungover, so I don't want to go to church and show anybody that, so I'll just tune into YouTube. <laughs> it wasn't in the Sermon on the Mount, but that's in there too. Some people are brand new Christians and they're like, I didn't know I was supposed to stop drinking. It's in the book. Also shows me you're not reading it. <laughs> so the point is, we focus on the blessing of God and we lose our attention on the face of God. So for 21 days, starting tomorrow morning, I want you to seek God first. I want you to make God's kingdom and his righteousness your priority. So let's talk about some of these practical things. I mentioned the Daniel fast. So we all have a hunger, but for 21 days, we're gonna direct our hunger on hungering for the kingdom of God. So I wanna really challenge you and encourage you to take these next 21 days very seriously because if you don't direct your hunger on the things of God, you're gonna direct your hunger on the things of this world. And we hunger for social media, we hunger for attention, we hunger for love, we hunger for success, we hunger for more of our addictions that we try to medicate ourselves with. But I want you to take 21 days and really hunger for the presence of God. 
Now, for many, 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 many years, we've taken 21 days, the beginning of every year, and we've called a corporate Daniel fast. Now, um, and, and normally, you know, we, we say, hey, listen, unless you physically can't, we want everybody to do a Daniel fast. Now, if you're new to Jesus stuff, let me explain what a Daniel fast is. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel was a young Jewish kid that was taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, which was a pagan nation, and Daniel was educated. He's basically there as kind of like an indentured servant, but because of his education, he was put in the palace to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, in King Nebuchadnezzar's house, they ate lobster and crab and snake and, you know, all sorts of things that were unkosher for a Jewish kid to eat. Daniel honored God more than he honored Babylon, more than he honored Nebuchadnezzar. So he made a request. He said, listen, I'm going to honor the king, even though I'm here uh, as a Jewish kid in a pagan world, but I'm going to make a request that I don't have to eat this unkosher food. And they're like, well, what are you going to eat? He's like, just bring me fruits and vegetables. What he was trying to do was eat kosher because everything else was, all the meat was unkosher, you know, all the food. He said, just bring me fruits and vegetables. And they were like, dude, you can't eat fruits and vegetables. You'll, you'll die. He's like, I'll be fine. You know, a lot of people in California do it all the time. So... He's like, for, for 20, I know it's not a Texas thing, but he said, for 21 days, just bring me fruit and vegetables. So fast forward to 2023 in the American religious church, we have turned the Daniel fast into like a thing that every Christian does in January for 21 days. No meat, no wheat, no sweet, just fruits and veg and nuts for 21 days. And then extra time in prayer, extra time in reading the word, extra time in worship, extra time seeking God. This year, we are not calling a Daniel fast. We're calling you to fast. We're calling you to pray for 21 days, but you do you, boo. Like your choice of what you fast is between you and God. Now, many people will do a Daniel fast, but let me explain something to you. A Daniel fast is actually not a biblical fast. We've kind of invented this in the last 50 years. As like a, it's a Daniel fast. No, it was just a guy trying to keep kosher. So let's not build a theology around something that was just one young man trying to honor God. If you want to look at biblical fasting, biblical fasting, like Jesus said, when you fast, just do it in secret. Biblical fasting is water only for 24 hours. Sundown to sundown. You want to do a Jewish biblical fast? 24 hours, sundown to sundown, water only, and then you can eat after sundown. That's a biblical fast. And that happened many times throughout the year for the Jewish people. So that's what Jesus was saying to the Jewish people. Listen, if you're going to fast, don't make a big show out of it. Don't wear like a I'm fasting t-shirt so that everybody's like, oh, that's a holy and righteous person. No, don't, just keep it a secret between you and God, and then he'll reward you for fasting. So you might be like, what about the 40-day fast that you just mentioned? Yeah, there were only four people that did a 40-day fast. Moses, Joshua, Elijah, and Jesus did 40-day fast. The word fast simply means abstain. The abstaining from food, or the Daniel fast. Abstaining from wheat, sugar, and meat. Just to abstain. But this year, you pray between now and tomorrow morning, and you ask God, what should I abstain from? What, what should my 21 days of fasting look like? And I do not want you to lower the bar. A fast is meant to be difficult. A fast should cost you something. Many, many, many people 
can do a, a, a full fast, fast 21 days water or juice, fine. Many people can fast, a Daniel fast for 21 days, great. But there's also many, many, many people that cannot fast food because of their age, because of their health, because of medication, because a lot of people have a really unhealthy relationship with food. And the moment that we start talking about fasting, they get all these nervous and anxious feelings and self-hatred and it can lead into self-harm because their church called a corporate fast. Listen, I don't want you to fast food. I want you to ask God for what you should fast. So then some people are like, well, cool, then I'll just fast things, I'll, I'll fast social media. That's a super spiritual people thing to do. And then they put it on social media. Hey, I'm fasting social media for the next 21 days. You have, there's no reward for that. And if I'm being just honest and kind of old school, a social media fast isn't a fast. Like if you really want to fast, with, like, and it's not a food fast, I want you to fast social media, I want you to fast Netflix, I want you to fast all entertainment. Don't even read fictional books, just read the Bible. And like, look, well, that sounds terrible. Yeah. And I was a kid in elementary school, a good buddy of mine, he was a Catholic family. And every spring for Lent leading up to Easter, he'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fasting seafood for Lent. He hated seafood. But he wanted to be able to say, I'm fasting seafood for Lent to honor God. It cost him nothing because it's not like after Easter or after Lent was over, he was going to eat a big, you know, crab sandwich. The kid hated seafood. So he wasn't fasting anything. He was just saying he was fasting. It cost him nothing. Your fast should hurt. It should cost you something. And we corporately are not calling a Daniel fast. However, we as the leaders of this house, we are calling you for 21 days to seek the kingdom of God, to seek his righteousness, to pray, and to fast. And I think a lot of people will Daniel fast, especially if you've been a part of our church for years. You're used to it. It's part of your deal. You take that time. It's a discipline. That's fine. It, but just make sure it's what God's called you to do. I, I, I've, in years past... I have done absolute fasting every other day. I'll do 24 hours, water only, and then I'll eat for 24 hours. And that's like intermittent fasting, but huge chunks. I've done that before. I've done seven days of water only, and then the other 14 days of you know, Daniel or something other like that. But if you're doing a food fast of some kind, you need to hear me and hear me carefully. A fast is not a diet. It has nothing to do with your scale. In fact, don't weigh yourself if you're fasting food of any kind because it has nothing to do with this physical world. Don't take a bunch of selfies in the mirror with your abs every morning being like, fast day number one, you know, fast day number 21 because it has nothing to do with your physical appearance. It has to do with your spiritual appearance. You're, you're, you're putting your hunger and you're fixing it on the kingdom of God for 21 days, okay? So fasting, up to you. We're calling you to fast. The fast that you choose is between you and God. And you're not gonna make a big deal about it. It's just gonna be your little thing. And then I also want you to realize God will reward you if you fast. And if you have a problem with food in your head, in your heart, an eating disorder, anything, I'm asking you as a pastor and as a father, I do not want you to do any kind of food fast. I don't want you to think about it, but I just find another thing to abstain from, from 21 days and make sure it's a discipline. It, it should sting a little because you're disciplining your natural body to put a hunger and an emphasis on your spiritual body. Gotta move on for time. The second aspect for 21 days is prayer. 
And I want you to pray more in the next 21 days than maybe you've ever prayed in your life. I really want you to commit your heart and your life to prayer because our church needs prayer, our city needs prayer, our state needs prayer, our nation needs prayer, the nations need prayer, the nation of Israel needs prayer. Second Chronicles chapter seven, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn and seek the face of God and talking about righteousness, turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. God is inviting us to seek his face. It is a written invitation to seek the face of God, humble ourselves, repent of our sin, live holy. And this land, Eulis will be better. Texas will be better. America will be better. You love America? I want you to really seek God in prayer for the next 21 days. Notice that God says, seek my face. He didn't say, seek my hand. Because so often it's like, God, I need you to bless me financially. God, I need a healing in my body. God, I need this new job. God, I need a spouse. God, I need a car. And you're looking for the hand of God when he said, I want you to seek my face. Because he will bless with, in fact, look at the Bible. Every time Jesus, somebody came to Jesus and they're like, Hey, um, Jesus, we think you're the Messiah. I need a miracle. I need a healing. I, I, I need a breakthrough. I need a deliverance. They're asking for the hand of God. Jesus never rebuked anybody for seeking his hand, but the invitation is to seek his face. And I'll say this, miracles come from the hand of God. Forgiveness comes from the face of God. You've got to look your father in the eyes and say, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. And seek his face, seek his presence, worship him. Really worship him. Maybe for 21 days, you don't listen to any music but worship music. While you're brushing your teeth, while you're driving to work, while you're in your cubicle, put your AirPods in. And I want you to really take 21 days and seek the presence of God. Because if you will focus your face on the face of your loving Father, your entire life will get recalibrated to the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. You're not going to worry about what celebrities are doing. You're not even really going to worry about what politicians are doing or the economy because your heart and your attention and your focus is on the things of God for 21 days. And it's going to realign your whole year for 2023. So here's how we're practically, practically, practically going to do it. Starting tomorrow morning, because 21 days starts tomorrow, we're going to go January 2nd, and we're going to finish on Sunday, three weeks from now, on January 22nd. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., we're going to give you a door code in a minute, and you can let yourself in, and there's going to be worship music playing, and just find a seat and sit and pray and worship. Whether it's 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, I want you to come. I want you to walk around. I want you to humble yourself and just kneel down and pray. I want you to get super serious about seeking God. If you go to work early, come after work. If you go to work later, come before work. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., we're encouraging you. And a lot of people are going to come pray this week. Will you still pray three weeks from now? It's easy to get started. It's hard to finish strong. Now, what I'm going to do, if you're watching online, I'm going to ask that John will mute the live stream. I'm going to give out the door code, and then you write it down, text it to yourself, because I don't want it public. I don't want strangers coming in while you're praying. If you're watching online, I'm sorry. You've got to be present to win. So... 
oh, we'll email the church members the code as well. Um, that is the single, now if you're new to our church, so the six big doors that are here will be remain locked. And hey, by the way, these are 45-year-old doors. Sometimes they stick, and if you walk out of a door, it doesn't click behind you. It, it's, it's still open. So if you go out one of those doors during the 21 days, would you turn around and just click it behind you, make sure it's locked? Can you do that for me? Now, to get into the building, there's a single door on the hallway by the bathrooms. It's just a single glass door. There's a magnetic key code. You put in that code that I just gave you. You can come in. The lights will be on. There'll be worship music playing. You just sit down and pray and worship God. We're going to put, I, I think we could pull out the old um, prayer station things, and, and there'll be things around the room to help you pray for our nation, help you pray for our church, to help you pray for the nation of Israel. There's going to be prayer points to help you pray. Um, they'll be stationed all around the room. You can also just sit with your Bible and just seek God, read your Bible, and pray. Now, this year, in years past, we've done corporate prayer where we want everybody to come at, you know, whatever, seven o'clock and we're going to pray together. This year is different. This year, you do you, boo. Corporately, we're all fasting and praying, but this is a personal thing between you and God. The only corporate prayer we will have is Wednesday night at seven o'clock for presence and prayer. Teenagers will be meeting over in the youth room and we will open up for corporate prayer at seven o'clock, we will lead it, it could be corporate. So if you can't pray at all, I want you to come on Wednesday night for one hour at seven o'clock. That'll be the only corporate prayer we do. Let me just say this about your life. Some of this for old school people is like, this is easy, I can do this. For some people, this is freaking you out a little bit. You're new to Jesus, you've never really committed to go all in for prayer for 21 days, you've certainly never fasted for 21 days. Like, I'm, this is kind of freaking you out a little bit. Listen. If you've ever written an email, and it's kind of important, and you're, you're, you're writing an email, and you're like, man, I, you know, I want to get it right, or term paper if you're in school, or you know, book report or whatever, and you're on the word processor, you're on your phone, and you, you use a word, and you're like, ah, that's not the right word. You can highlight that word, delete it, and then edit that document, and put in a stronger word, put in a, a more clear word, put in a better word. Listen to me carefully. You can edit your life, and this is your opportunity to do so. That you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there anything in my life that needs to be edited? And the Holy Spirit will highlight it, but he can't do what the next step is. And that is for you to be like, all right, I'm going to remove that part of my life, and I'm going to choose this new thing. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to take the training wheels off my walk with God, and I'm going to be a grown-up, and I'm going to do grown-up things, and I'm going to edit myself to make great choices to serve God. This is your opportunity, this is your moment to allow the Holy Spirit to highlight things in your life and then edit yourself to become the man of God, the woman of God that he's called you to be. Now, just let me give you some prayer points. I'll give these to you quickly. We'll email those to you out as well. Some things that I want you to pray for. Remember, we're talking about seeking the kingdom of God. And we're, we're, we're going to put our face focused on the king. So I want you to praise the king. When you come, I just want you to bow. I want you to enthrone him. Build a throne for the king to sit on of your heart of praise, of worship, because his kingdom reigns and rules over all. Number two, I want you to reject and renounce any other kingdom that has an influence in your life. The kingdom of Netflix, the kingdom of, of finance 
finances and, and wealth, the kingdom of pornography, the kingdom of, of whatever, anxiety, the kingdom of, of, of sin or anything that's, that's, that's kept you from the things of God. I want you to repent and reject all other kingdoms. I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer. I, we have already taught it to you, but please don't pray it from memory and please don't pray it from the King James unless you speak in King James. I want you to pray it from your heart. I want you to use the Lord's Prayer as an outline for prayer. The Lord's Prayer should not take you 30 seconds. I wouldn't mind if the Lord's Prayer took you 30 minutes to get through because you use it as an outline for prayer. The kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven, that the kingdom of God will be released in your life as it is in heaven. I want you to repent of any sin in your life. Why? Because we're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if there's any sin in your life, I want you to ask God to forgive you, wash you, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which number five, you're gonna have to humble yourself. You're gonna have to bow down to get off of your throne and put Jesus on the throne of your life. And you bow down and you humble yourself. You honor him, that you would be a living sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament that the, the, the way God wanted to be worshiped was that people would literally take animals to Jerusalem and then the priests would kill those animals and burn up their bodies. So when Jesus said, yeah, I want you to be a living sacrifice, it's that you're gonna live. You don't have to die on the altar, but you do need to die to the things of your life so that you can live for Jesus. I want you to lay down worry, fear, anxiety. I, I want you to put that all at the feet of Jesus and then just look up for 21 days, focus your attention, focus your, your faith, focus your eyes on Jesus. You lay down all those things. Ask the Lord for people to share the kingdom with. Remember, he said in um, the Sermon on the Mount that you are the light of the world. He's put the light of the kingdom of God on the inside of you, and this world is groping around in darkness, so don't hide your light. Every room that you walk into, let that light shine. Be, be ministered to other people for 21 days. And the last thing isn't quite a prayer thing, but maybe it might be, I want you to spend time with other people that are seeking God. I, community is really important in seasons like this. Now, you don't get to be like, let me tell you what I'm fasting and about how amazing my fasting is going. The fast is between you and the Lord. But why don't you get together? Why don't you join a small group? We have you groups that are kicking off in a couple of weeks. Have some people over to your house. Go over to somebody else's house. Worship together. And, and say, listen, this is what God's doing in my life. What is he doing in your life? And encourage each other for this thing. Your fast is a secret, but get into community and share, encourage each other, pray for one another, prophesy over each other. Let me wrap this thing up. Jordana, we're gonna skip that Psalm 37 for time. So imagine, I eh, will skip that too. That's not even a good illustration. Slow down. Okay, I'll say that thing. Go back. Stop. I wrote it, might as well say it. When we're not seeking the face of God, the things of this world become so important. But when we repent, when we humble ourselves, when we seek God's face, the things of this world suddenly become really not that important and the things of heaven become really important. So what was even important to you in 2022, if you'll take 21 days and you'll reset your priorities, then suddenly in 2023, the things that mattered to you in 22 won't matter because the things of the kingdom of God are gonna matter to you so much. It's gonna reset, realign your priorities to the kingdom priorities. Now let me just say this, this shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't feel like you have to, it should feel like you get to. It should feel like you want to. Yes, it's a discipline, but you, you get to fast, you don't have to fast. You get to come pray, you don't have to pray. You get to take 21 days and really seek the face of God, you don't have to. But it's kind of like, imagine if you will, not like some 
taskmaster that's like, you have to fast or else. Imagine a loving father that wants to give you a bear hug every time you come to seek his face. And he embraces you and puts chocolate truffles in your hands because he will reward you for seeking him. And I've already said it once, it's easy to start, it's hard to do all 21 days, so pace yourself. All right, final thought. Some people would be like, this sounds kind of like a thing for pastors or maybe you group leaders. Like, this is like for leaders in the body of Christ. Now, it is true, and the Bible talks in several places that leaders in the body of Christ have to serve to a higher standard. But you're all leaders in the body of Christ. If you've been through our growth track, and by the way, if you're new to our church, growth track one will be next Sunday after church. We'd love to get you plugged into our church family next Sunday after church. At Uncommon Church, every member is a minister of the gospel. You are in the ministry. If you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things get added unto you, everything you do is kingdom business. And you are all called to seek the kingdom of God. And it's not just for 21 days. Believe it or not, you're called to do this 365 days out of the year. That everything we do should be part of the kingdom of God. You go to the grocery store, that's kingdom business. You play with your kids, that's kingdom business. You're making dinner, that's kingdom business. You go to work, kingdom work. You're going to school, you take a test, great, that's, that's for the kingdom. Every, you brush your teeth, that's kingdom business. I don't know about you guys, but we have our Alexa system Alexa, I'm just messing with everybody at home watching on YouTube because now all their Alexas are talking. So. Um. Alexa, what's the weather in Timbuktu? And now they gotta listen to that instead of the sermon. So um, we do worship music on, on every Alexa in our house. And we'll often, I mean, almost always, there's worship music playing. And we have four or five of those little Alexa things. And we buy them like half off on the Black Friday sales. So they're everywhere in our house. But they're all playing worship music almost all the time, except for the nauseating six weeks of Christmas music we've had to endure. I'm done with Michael Buble is all I'm saying. We can, we can put him back into Alexa until next December. The problem is my wife is like, it's November 1st. Michael, start singing. So... Brush your teeth, kingdom business, so have worship music. Be worshiping while you're doing that. It's kind of like this. A lot of you have served in the military. Now, if you were ever deployed, and especially in deployed into a combat situation, you have times of duty that you're in uniform and you're in you know, a bunk or a barrack, and you're off duty. But how many of you know that if you're in the military and you're active and you're deployed, even when you're off duty, you're on duty? Like, because if, 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 if something hits the fan, you're not be like, well, I'm off duty. No, like grab your weapon and get to business. You're always battle ready. Whether you could be cleaning your boots, you could be cooking in the mess, you, but everything you do, you're in uniform, you're deployed, you're ready. Even though you're off duty, you're on duty because everything you do is for the service of the kingdom for victory. When you are in the kingdom of God, everything you do is ministry. Changing your kid's diaper, it's ministry. You're praying over your kid. Everything you do is ministry, why? Because at Uncommon Church, every member is a minister. There's no such thing as a secular part of your life and a sacred part of your life. Everything you do is ministry. When the 12 disciples served Jesus, you have to remember this was a traveling ministry 2,000 years ago. 
They would live in tents. They would have to cook over a fire. They would have to set up the tents. They'd have to dig a latrine. And then when Jesus is like, all right, let's go. They had to pack it all up. They had to load it on donkeys and load it on camels. And they had to walk. Everything they did was ministry because everything they did was in service of King Jesus. There was never a time that the disciples were off duty. Everything they did was ministry. My job as a pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to seek God in worship, seek God in prayer, seek God in fasting, seek God in discipline, seek God and, and, and call on the name of the Lord. Because the more we equip you, the more ministry can be done. Ephesians is this amazing verse about why we have the different people that, that work in full-time ministry. Ephesians chapter four, he gave some to be apostles, some were prophets, some were evangelists, Others were pastors, some were teachers. But listen to verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. My job is not to do all the ministry at Uncommon. My job is to teach you how to be a minister in every room you walk into. So yeah, normally we call for a big corporate fast. Everybody Daniel fast. This year, training wheels are off. You're a leader in the body of Christ. It's your responsibility to seek God as to what type of fast you should do and that you have to stick to it. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. We're gonna cheer you on. If you're new to Jesus stuff and you have questions, I want you to reach out to us and ask. It's okay to ask questions. Like, I know, but you said it was supposed to be in secret. I know, but if this stuff is new to you, let us help you. Let you reach out to Ira and Josh, Josie, whatever. Like, let us encourage you and help you. Hop up on your feet. I, honestly, I'm so excited for what God is gonna do in your life in the next 21 days. It's like a diet, it's like my food. I can't do it for you, the choice is yours. But for those that really commit to seek the face of God and to seek his righteousness, man, I'm so excited. Can, I didn't really touch on righteousness, that whole thing I meant to. Let me just really, really quickly, that word, because remember it said, seek his, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things, all the financial things will be added unto you. That word righteousness is a legal term. It means morally justified, upright, or virtuous. But it's a legal term in the ancient Greek because you can't be righteous on your own. A judge has to forgive your sin and make you righteous. So if we will seek the face of God, if we will repent of our sin and ask him to forgive us, he will make us righteous in the kingdom of God. We don't deserve it, but it's his choice. He makes us righteous. Here's a crazy thing. It takes faith to do this. It doesn't come easily. It takes great faith. Right now I have faith that this stage isn't gonna collapse and break my legs. I have faith that these speakers aren't gonna fall on my head. When you were sitting down, you had faith that these beautiful new chairs, that the welds were good and it's not gonna, you have faith that your brakes are gonna work. We put our faith in a lot of things, but these are all natural things. Hebrews chapter 11 says, it's impossible to please God without faith because anybody that comes to him, you gotta have faith. You gotta believe that God exists. Oh, and then here's this verse again. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. There's a reward for seeking God for the next 21 days. Do you really believe? Is your faith really in the Lord Jesus? 
Do you really believe coming through this whole Christmas season, even though Jesus was probably born in September, do you really believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Do you really believe that he lived a sinless life and that he took our sin, my sin, your sin to the cross? Do you really believe that he died and he defeated sickness and death and hell and the grave on the third day he rose from the dead? Do you really believe that he ascended into heaven and he sits enthroned in heaven alive preparing a place for us in heaven. Do you really believe that God rewards those that seek him? Are you gonna seek God this year? Are you gonna seek his righteousness? Are you gonna seek his presence and not worry about money and natural things in this world? That word repent, that's like a church word. But the meaning is that we turn 180 degrees, we die to what we were thinking, we die to what we were believing, so that we can live for Jesus, so that we follow him. We humble ourselves before God. It is, it's always an invitation. You never have to, but it's always an open door. It's always an invitation. Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee and he called out to, to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He said, hey y'all, follow me. And they dropped everything to follow Jesus. Will you follow Jesus into 2023? Now let me speak to people that might, this, this is all sounds crazy to you. You're not a church person. For some reason, you were here today, you Googled the church near me, somebody said, hey, you, you, you know, somebody's grandma's like, you need Jesus. So you just found a church nearby, and here you are, and you're like, listen, this, this, I'm not a really big Jesus guy, but there's something pounding in my heart that I, I want to get right with God. And when I say, will you seek Jesus, will you put your faith in him, this might be the first time or the first time in a long time because you've walked away that you return to the Lord Jesus. You start off 2023 by repenting of sin, asking God to forgive you and wash you, and receiving the gift of eternal life. Remember, God rewards those that seek him. So there's a reward for seeking God. There's a reward for repenting of your sin and asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. That reward is eternal life. Heaven is not some distant place. Heaven starts today when he fills your heart with eternal life. I wanna lead you in a prayer of repentance. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And it might be the first time you ever pray a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time. It's been a minute and you need to get right with God all over again. If you wanna pray this prayer, just close your eyes, think about Jesus. And we can even all pray it out loud. I can't pray it for you, I can lead you, but you have to believe in your heart and pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I humble myself before you. I repent. I died in my old life so that I can live for you. Help me to seek your kingdom. And I receive the gift of eternal life and the kingdom of God to be a light in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for helping me to edit my life. In Jesus' name, amen. With every eye still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up at me real quick and just say, preacher, I prayed that prayer. I got right with God. I'm starting 2023 getting right with God. Is there anybody in here this morning? That was you today. You're like, dude, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. 
Just wave your hand at me. I see your hand right over there. Is anybody else? All right, rock on. Yay, God. What about at home? I saw one little hand do like this and then right back down again. What about you? You're in your living room. You, just raise your hand between you and God and say, God, I'm so sorry I've sinned against you. I, I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Man, if that's you or if you're the one that was here this morning, we wanna pray for you. We wanna encourage you in your walk with God. So especially if you're watching at home online, I want you to text the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 817-405-2244. Now all that does is send you a little auto response form. Would you fill out that form and click submit? We wanna to begin to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God. We wanna put your name on a light bulb and screw it in on our Jesus wall over here. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.